I'm excited that I get to make another uh, introduction this morning. Uh, this is a good friend of mine, Jim Keenan, that's going to be teaching the word to us this morning. Uh, for many of you, uh, he is not a, a name that is unfamiliar to you. He's been in our valley for the last 13 years. Uh, this last year, he's been a professor at YTI, a professor of uh, pastoral ministry, uh, pastoral theology at Yellowstone Theological Institute. But the 12 years before that, he was the lead pastor yep. uh, at, a, at the Efree Church across town, a great friend church of ours. We sure appreciate them along the way. But for Jim, he's more to me than just a pastor across the way. When he first moved here, we met very, very early on and just became good friends. We've traveled overseas and done ministry together. And he's been a pastor to me. When people tell me, who's your pastor? I tell them that Jim Kena is one of, he's one of those He's one of those guys. Uh, I'm kind of new to this game of being uh, a pastor of a church, and so when I get stuck, Jim is the guy that I call. So uh, I'm so grateful that he has the opportunity to be able to to share with us this morning. This morning, so let's give a, a big Journey Church welcome to Jim Kena. Thank you. Love you, Jim. I, I like to think of myself as Bob's grand pastor, and he, I am so proud of the ministry and the thing that he's doing. And you've been blessed with a great staff, and it is an honor to stand here and speak to you. Um, I was a lead pastor of a church in Siloam Springs, Arkansas, for 13 years. And, and then we decided to move to Chicago, where I went to seminary and, and had some further education. Uh, after we moved to Chicago, a year or so later, we had an opportunity to go back to Arkansas and see some of our family and friends and so on, and, and, and worship at the church where I'd stayed for so many years. So when we walked in, it was just a joyous reunion, people I loved, and, and there were lots of hugs and hearty handshakes, and it was just great being there, and the service was great, and afterwards, uh, our family, several family members were there, and you know, uh, it's dad's job to take them out to our favorite restaurant. So we went to our favorite restaurant, and we were all sitting there, and they were ordering way too much. <laughs> and at the, end of this, and it's at the end of the meal, you know, the, the waitress came up and gave me the, uh, the, the bill. And so I walked up to the, uh, the cashier to pay. I reached for my wallet, and this is the truth. What happens, I pull out my wallet, and this happened. Someone, in the midst of all the hugging, had slipped a $20 bill in my back pocket. It's like reverse pickpocketing. <laughs> and I didn't even know it. And if you want to try it after the service, <laughs> you may think about doing that. <laughs> but then uh, the, the point of this little story is this. From the time that I left the church to the time that I went up to the cashier, I had a blessing that I didn't know about. And if I'd known about it, we would have lived differently. We would have had dessert. <laughs> and what's true in this little story is true in your life. Um, you can have a blessing 
and not know it. But when you know it, you can enjoy it. So this morning as we gather together, uh, one of my purposes is to continue the series called Anthology. And we come to Numbers chapter 6. And it's the Levitical blessing that was given to the nation of Israel. And there's a song that corresponds to it. It's the blessing by Elevation Worship. And we'll close by singing that. And we're going to look at this blessing that God gave over 3,500 years ago to Israel and still gives to us as well. And as we study these verses from the Bible, um, excuse me, I lost my place here. Uh, My goal is to answer this one question. How do we enjoy God's blessing? How do we fully enjoy God's blessing? And on the front end, I'll give you the answer to that question. We can fully enjoy God's blessing by hearing the blessing, by receiving the blessing, and then giving the blessing. That is how God blesses us. And this is how God uses us. So to understand Numbers chapter 6, we need to put it in a biblical, literary, historical framework. And the book of Exodus and the book of Numbers are in the same historical time frame. And the book of Exodus opens with the nation of Israel in a desperate, dark condition. They were enslaved in Egypt. They were experiencing racial discrimination. They were experiencing forced labor. They were even beginning to experience genocide. And at that dark moment, God raised up a leader, Moses, to deliver them from their bondage in slavery so that they would be liberated and go to the promised land. So the book of Exodus covers the historical period from from the slavery in Egypt to their exodus and their liberation to when they came to Mount Sinai where they received the law. The book of Numbers picks up where Exodus ends, and it follows the history of Israel from Mount Sinai to, for our purposes, the promised land, the border of the promised land. And and the reason that historical uh, uh, aspect is important for us to get is this blessing comes at a strategic time after they have been delivered from Egypt at Mount Sinai, and they are getting ready to go to the promised land to claim the ancestral land that was theirs as descendants of Abraham. So it's kind of at the halfway mark. And they've experienced liberation, and now they're going to move forward. And and this was something they needed to know before they continued the quest across a wilderness desert and the enemies that they would have to fight and to deal with. So this is a strategic point as they were to be getting ready. And so what happens in this text is we see the first element, that we enjoy God's blessing by hearing God's blessing. This is how it reads in Numbers 6, 22 through 23. The Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron and his sons, this is how you are to bless the Israelites. Say to them. Uh, Who's Aaron? Who are the sons? Aaron was appointed to be a priest, and his sons were to be the priests, the religious leaders. 
And we see this kind of chain of authority. God says to Moses, tell Aaron and his sons to tell the people this blessing. And so the priests were given this privilege to take a message from God to the people. It was their religious priestly function. And as I was preparing for this, uh, I was told some time ago that I'd be preaching on this topic on this Sunday. I began to think about what a privilege it is to stand here. That I'm standing here 3,500 years later in Bozeman, Montana, and I have the sacred privilege as a pastor to take God's word and speak it to you. Now, as I look around, I don't know a lot of you, but I love you. And here's why I love you is I love God and God loves you and I love who God loves. And I love you and I want what's best for you. And I've been praying for you since I heard that I'd be preaching here that God would speak through me to you and you would hear his blessing and your life would be changed as a result of what is said here today. I'm standing here with anticipation that God's gonna do something in your heart and life. And I'm asking that you will have some anticipation that the Holy Spirit will speak to you and change you. So I love you, may not know you. So if I see you around town somewhere, come up and say hi. Seriously. And if Kim and I are in a romantic dinner, just the two of us, and you see us, come up and say hi and then leave. But seriously, it is an honor that I get to stand here and say something that's 3,500 years old that is relevant to all of us today. We want to hear the blessing. So how do we fully enjoy the blessing? We hear it. And the next step is receiving the blessing. Now, if you regularly attend uh, Journey Church, uh, there's something that, you know, I I come periodically, but uh, I, I think. My experience, I think he does, Brian does this every Sunday. So, you know, he'll stand here, and it's like a, it's like a holy moment. He stands here, and he, he puts his hands out, and this is what he says. He goes, yesterday, I caught a brown trout that is this big. <laughs> and then I've watched it off. Second service, he goes, yesterday, I, brought, I caught a brown trout <laughs> this big. Now, I think what you're thinking about is a common part of what Brian does at the end of the service, and it is a holy moment. He stops and he puts his hands up and he says, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord, the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. You are familiar with the blessing. There's an old saying, familiarity breeds contempt. That's not the case with this, I don't think. But I think this is what can happen, is familiarity can breed familiarity. 
And we lose the wonder and the beauty and the power and the glory of the significance of the blessing that God gives to you. And the holy becomes humdrum. And we lose the significance of what God has for us and how he has fully blessed us. And God's intention is for us to experience the blessing. Now, this blessing is a literary masterpiece. It's, uh, it's designed to be memorable. And it helps because of its brevity, it's short. There's a simplicity to it, but a density is theologically deep. And the way these three lines in these couplets are organized is each of them, the Lord, is the subject. The Lord, the Lord, the Lord. It's then followed by two verbs that are actions that the Lord does. Uh, the Lord bless you and keep you. In all three, it's the action God does toward the object of the verb and then the result of it. The Lord blesses you. What's the result of that? Well, he keeps you. The other thing to see is this, and this was, you know, when I, I love preaching because I learn things. The, the object of the verbs is you. And when I was reading, I, I just put in there, you know, you plural, Israel. But it's not, it's you singular. So this is the way all these read. Uh, the Lord, what does he do? Blesses you, what's that mean? He keeps you. Uh, this blessing is not a blessing for y'all. It's a blessing for you. And so this is what the priests were given, the responsibility to go to the Israelites and to say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord bless you and keep you. They have this sacred privilege. So let's look at this blessing. And oh, just one other thing is kind of cool. In the Hebrew, the first blessing is three words. Second is five words. And the third is seven words. Showing the expansive nature of these blessings. Okay, let's look at them. The first one says, the Lord bless you and keep you. Uh, this is a blessing of uh, provision. And keeping is a blessing of protection. See the relevance as they begin to journey the rest of the way to the promised land. I'm going to provide for your needs and I'm going to protect you. And I think the purpose of these blessings are to meet our deepest needs and their deepest needs. And the purpose of this is I will bless you and I will keep you. It was designed to calm their anxious fears because they were going to go through an arduous journey through the desert wilderness with a lack of water, but they did have manna. And then they're going to encounter possibly a dangerous enemy. And he says, on the front end, before you're moving from Sinai to the promised land, I just want you to know the Lord will bless you. He'll give you your provisions and he will keep you. He will protect you. Uh, the second line, the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The, the shining face of God signifies his pleasure in you. 
And because of God's pleasure, he can be gracious with his covenant mercy that he lavishes upon you. And this blessing is to assure you, as a child of God, you have God's divine smile. That he loves you and his posture is grace towards you. Uh, The next thing is this, the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. This was to assure them that God was omniscient. Uh, He was not this distant uh, deity of deism that's detached and doesn't observe. No, his face is turned toward us and we understand the significance when we look at the opposite. His face is not turned from us. His face is turned toward us And because his face is turned toward us, we have the assurance that we are at peace with God. And when we know we're at peace with God, we can experience the peace of God. They needed these blessings before they continued the journey to the border of the promised land. These blessings were designed to meet their deepest needs. So these are the blessings given in Numbers chapter six. You know what happens next? It didn't go well. In uh, Numbers chapter 10, they decided to leave and begin the process of going to the promised land. And quickly things went sour. In chapter 11, there were problems occurring. And in chapter 11, they said, hey, let's go back to Egypt. We've had enough. And then later on in chapter 12, Moses' brother Aaron and their priest led a rebellion. That failed It was just problem after problem after problem. Eventually, in chapter 13, they'd arrive at the border of the promised land, border of the promised land, and send in 12 spies to do a reconnaissance mission to see what's going on in in the place that they were supposed to to receive from the Lord. And so we can use some God-sanctioned imagination here. Can you imagine the 12 spies go in, each from one of the tribes, and they all line up to give a report, and you're the Israelites, and here are the 12 spies up here, and, and now it's time for them to tell them what they saw. And, and 10 of the spies said, or all 12 of them said, oh, it's a beautiful place. Land flowing with milk and honey. But then 10 of the spies said this, but there are giants in the land, and we look like grasshoppers in their sight. Only two of them said, let's go in. Their names are Joshua and Caleb. And what happened next is kind of like a governmental thing. The motion to take the promised land was voted down in subcommittee 10 to 2. And 10 refused to enter to the promised land, but two wanted to. Now, this is speculation on my part, but uh, I am right. I think this is what was happening when Joshua and Caleb were walking through the promised land. I think what was going through their head was this. The Lord will bless us and keep us. The Lord's face is shining on us. He's going to be gracious to us. His face is turned toward us. He's going to give us peace. We need to receive what God is giving to us. Only two wanted to go in. Ten didn't. You know, James talks about people like this. He said, some are hearers of the word, but not what? 
doers. And 10 were hearers, but not doers. They didn't receive it. And two were hearers and doers. And because they were hearers and doers, uh, to borrow kind of a line from Journey Church, they got to go all in to the promised land. See, the difference is this. You need to hear the blessing, but you need to receive the blessing. And it's a challenge sometimes to receive the blessing that God gives them, but ultimately they didn't want to go in. Now, what happens as a result of that? Israel was punished. The, the punishment that God extracted against them was harsh. Do you know what God did? This was the punishment. He gave them what they wanted. He gave them what they wanted. And they didn't want to go in. And they didn't go in. Have you ever got something you wanted and didn't want what you got? I know a guy who wanted another woman besides his wife and got her. And then the rest of his years, he didn't want what he got. Sometimes the most harsh punishment God can give us is to give us what we want rather than what God wants us to receive. And so we see in this book, it serves as a cautionary tale. This is what happens when people hear the blessing but don't receive the blessing. You know, we probably understand this to some degree as well is we need to accept what God has called us to do. When I was a child, I struggled with my faith. And I thought, I just don't have enough belief, you know, enough faith to really, really believe. And I go, oh, if I, if I wish I was back at the time of Joshua and Caleb, and I saw what Joshua saw, what Caleb saw, I would do those great mighty works. But I don't see, I haven't seen the seas part. I haven't seen the fire. I haven't seen all these things. If I could see what they saw, I would do what they did. But I was wrong. When I was a child, I thought like a child. I would much rather live on this side of the cross. As good as it was to see what God did through Moses, it is far greater to see what God did through his son, Jesus Christ. And we get to see the fullness of the blessings through the person of Christ. So we get to look at Jesus, the greater Moses. We look at Jesus, the the greater Joshua, and the Jesus who gives us greater blessings. Um, We saw the blessing in Joshua chapter six, and I'm reminded that in Ephesians chapter one, verse three, it says this, that if you're in Christ, if you're a believer, you place faith in him, you have been blessed with every spiritual blessing. You have the blessing. And because of that, we are blessed in who Christ is with every spiritual blessing. And one of the things is this, is he's promised to keep us. I love this. This is John chapter 10, verse 28. Jesus promised about his followers, no one will snatch them out of my hand. 
So we are here, and we're in Jesus' hand, and no one's going to get us. And then you know what Jesus says next in John 10, 29? And no one will snatch them out of my Father's hand. This is us. We are kept safe. And knowing that we're safe allows us to do courageous things sometimes. It gives us the courage to obey how God follows us. The Lord smiles at you. Romans chapter 15, verse 7 has been so helpful to me. It says, accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you. Because of Christ's acceptance, we have the divine smile of God. You know, there's two questions I believe every Christian, every person should ask, answer. Does God accept me? And if so, what is the basis of my acceptance? And I can say on the authority of God's word, here's why I'm accepted. Because I place faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ and his death on the cross fully paid for my sin and I've received the imputed righteousness of Christ and I am fully accepted because of faith in what Jesus did. I am accepted fully, not by what I've done, but what I received through Jesus Christ. So when I stand here and say, I am accepted by God, it is not an arrogant boast. It is humbly resting in what someone else did. I just received it. Child of God, you have God's smile. Because of Jesus, you are fully accepted and loved. And because of that, he's gracious toward us. And then his face is toward, turned toward us. And the beauty of the cross as we look at it is when Jesus was on the cross, he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Do you know why God forsook Jesus? So he could accept us. Because when Jesus fully paid our penalty for our sin, we are fully accepted in the beloved. God experienced our rejection that we deserved so that we could experience the full acceptance of Jesus Christ. And then I love Romans 5.1. Therefore, having been justified by faith, you have peace with God. Here's a good thing to do sometimes. Can I look up and go, God, we okay? Okay. We are at peace with God, and then we can experience that peace. And, and so we, on this side of the cross, we can fully enjoy God's blessings because Jesus fully paid for our sins and lavished his love upon us. Now, I open this sermon by saying, it's possible to have a blessing and not know it. But here's another truth. It's possible to hear the blessing and not receive it. And the book of Numbers is a cautionary tale for us to remind us what it's like when we hear the blessing, but we don't receive it. In fact, the story of the Numbers is found in Psalm 95. 
And this is what it says in Psalm 95 as it recounts this. Here's its, its, its point of advice. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. And I prayed for you that you would hear the Holy Spirit's heart and that you'd be receptive to his voice. So we've looked up to this point. How do we fully enjoy God's blessings? First of all, you gotta hear it. The second is to receive it. But I believe in many ways to fully, fully enjoy the blessing is to give it. There's something happens in us when those who've heard the blessing, receive the blessing and give. We enjoy the blessings even more. We feel the presence of God even, even more. And as I mentioned earlier, uh, God told uh, Moses to tell Aaron and the priest to tell the people. So the priest had a job to tell the people the blessing. And then I said also, uh, it is a privilege for me as a pastor to take the blessing and, and, and speak it so that you can hear it. But as cool as that is, there's something even better. According to 1 Peter 2, if you're a child of God, you're a priest. It's the doctrine of the priesthood of the believers. And you have access to God and you can give blessings to other people just as the priest did and as pastors do. You, child of God, can give this blessing away. It is part of your privilege and we fully enjoy the blessing when we freely give the blessing away. So let me wrap things up with a story. Uh, a story about uh, my cousin Linda and her friend Martha. Do we have the photo here? There's Linda. She's uh, on the, what is that? On the right? Yeah, I'm, I'm turned around here. Uh, but anyway, Linda is, uh, is my cousin. And whenever Linda introduces herself like we're together, she'll go, uh, my name is Linda Kina. And I am Jim's younger cousin. So Linda and her friend Martha, they were, Martha was and Linda is a professor at Old Miss. Uh, they came up to visit and I had the privilege of taking them to Yellowstone, took them on the bear tooth and so on. Uh, it was just so fun being with her and her friend Martha. Uh, after one full day of touring, uh, we finally came into town around six o'clock at night. I called my wife, Kim, up and said, hey, meet us at the restaurant. And the four of us had rest uh, uh, a meal together. And as they were at the meal together, uh, Martha began to ask some theological questions of some things that were very heavy on her heart. Uh, and there was a point where uh, there was some uh, misunderstanding on her part. And I began to help her understand kind of theologically what was going on. And then she had been sinned against, but she felt this tremendous guilt. And, and, and I remember saying to Martha, I said, Martha, you're under a false guilt. And that because of what Christ has done, he's freely forgiven us. And that we have right standing with him. And it was just a beautiful moment. Uh, they went to their hotel. Uh, Kim and I got in the car and I go, wow, that was such a privilege. So 
the next day was their last day that I would actually see him. And I took them, I think, on the bear tooth that day. And uh, um, that evening they ate at our house and I took them to their hotel. And uh, uh, it was time to say goodbye. I didn't think I would get emotional second service. Uh, so I'm there with Linda and I just put my arms around Linda and I just hug her and I say, Linda, I love you. And you know, she says, I love you too. And then I turned to Martha and the Holy Spirit prompted me to say to her, Martha, you are a loved, forgiven, chosen child of God. And then I put my arm around her and I kissed her on the head. Kim's okay with that. You can do that. You're a priest. You can speak blessings to people. You can give theological truth to people. You can be a blessing. And when we give what's been given freely, we enjoy the blessing. I don't know if you could tell this or not. I'm really enjoying you telling about your blessing. And you can do that too. Well, um, I said, the question was, how, how do we fully enjoy our blessings? I said, there's three ways, but really there's five. Okay. Uh, we fully enjoy God's blessing by, by hearing the blessing by receiving the blessing and by giving the blessing and here's the surprise steps step four and five and by standing for the blessing and now singing the blessing
Children, may his presence go before you and behind you. 